Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forest Search Podcast, What It Means, we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And for this bonus episode, we have two guests on the phone today, Forest Research Directors Glenn O'Donnell and Melissa Parrish, to discuss the repeal of net neutrality and what it means. Welcome, Glenn and Melissa. Thanks for having us. Yep, glad to be here. Guys, so let's level set. There's obviously a lot out in the world right now around net neutrality, but what is it? So net neutrality is, it's, it's regulation by the government, uh, you know, based on internet traffic prioritization. And it's become very politicized with one side saying everything is treated the same and the other side says, well, you know, we can't really do that. We have to, uh, you know, we, we have to use the, the network resources uh, in an economical way. So, uh, you know, it's become very highly politicized. And the term net neutrality really refers to the regulation that went into place two years ago under a different administration. And now we have, uh, we have that overturned. And it seems like to me that the center of the storm sits a fundamental belief system on, on, on either side. One belief system says that, that bandwidth is a public good like air. Another belief system is that bandwidth is a commercial asset like spectrum. Someone acquired it and they fully intend to monetize it in terms that are optimized to their business. In your mind, is that sort of at the center of this debate and the center of this decision? I think it's at the center of the politics, but... Um, you know, in the end, what you really got to look at is, you know, if you want internet service, you have to pay for it. So uh, it's it's become almost a, uh, you know, a given that this is an entitlement that everybody should have, but you still got to pay for it. So in that sense, it is a commercial product. So let, let's sort of peel it back a bit. There's two arguments that, that went into the decision. Obviously, one came out in terms of the decision, but w- what are the two arguments on either side, if you guys just can sort of walk back, what were they arguing and what were they trying to achieve in terms of those that were for the repeal and those that were opposed to the repeal? So I can speak to this from a sort of business model perspective. I think, you know, on the side uh, of the businesses who were trying to preserve net neutrality, uh, there is a feeling that uh, people should be able to access the content that they want, um, regardless of whether those are subscription content services or not, whether it's a, a website for a mom and pop store or Facebook, that these are, this is content and services that people want and they should be able to access it um, because it is, it is uh, sort of uh, put on the internet for equal access. There is a feeling on the other side that in saying everybody should be able to have similar access uh, to uh, content and services, that there are certain kinds of content, like, for example, streaming video services, that take up a lot more bandwidth, literally. They take up a lot more resources uh, that the carriers um, own. And so if you are using more resources, shouldn't that cost more money? Now, both sides have an interesting argument to make about um, what net neutrality or lack thereof means for business model innovation. And I think where we see this uh, really come to a head is uh, on the ISP or the carrier side. They say, look, without net neutrality, we can offer different kinds of packages at different cost levels. So people don't have to just like pay for the entire Internet. 
And on the other side of the coin, you have very large tech companies saying, well, okay, but if you charge, say, the Netflixes and the Hulus, the big um, bandwidth-sucking companies that also have a ton of money, if you charge them more uh, for better speeds uh, to reach their end customers, there is very little opportunity for the next Netflixes and Hulus um, to get into the game because they won't have the money to pay the carriers for that prioritized traffic. So there is concern about business model innovation on both sides. And I think that's an important consideration because net neutrality came into play in 2015. And you know there is an argument that a lot of digital innovation, both on the business model side and the technology side, occurred prior to that, and so that the, the non-existence of net neutrality, which is an odd way of phrasing it, didn't actually stifle innovation. It didn't stifle the development of the digital economy or the acceleration of the digital economy. But the argument now is that repealing it may. Is, are we in a different time and place? Has something changed that's material enough that this will affect something going forward? Well, that's certainly one of the arguments being uh, being put out there that, hey, uh, you know, the Internet grew and prospered before all of this, so what's the big deal? Uh, of course, you've got to take all of this with a grain of salt because the political landscape will uh, just uh, amplify a, each point to a point of absurdity, and that's, that's why our position is trying to say keep the politics out of it. Uh, you know, the fact is both sides do have a valid, do have valid points that, uh, you know, freedom and everything should be treated equally and have net neutrality in place, so to speak, is the right thing. But, uh, you know, those who are providing the services say, well, you know, we, we have to charge accordingly for this stuff. They have a valid point, too. But, yeah, it, you know, points like that usually are rooted in political extremism. And you know, we, should, we should really temper all of that language as we examine uh, the pros and cons of this. Yeah, I think that's an important point, Glenn, because... In doing the research and the reading for this podcast, I mean, sort of preparing for the decision, what what I was paying attention to was the use of the word could, which is this could drive up a form of censorship, a very intentional censorship. This could be used to target opposition. This could impact the digital economy or tear out sort of the startups of the next wave of innovation. And there was a lot of hyperbole placed on all the coulds out there and it, you know, Underneath it sits an economic question, but in the politics of it sat sort of this this bad intent playing itself out. Yeah, I mean, that is that is an important word, could. I could win the Nobel Prize in physics. It's not going to happen, but it's possible. <laughs> but moving that question forward, so let's talk about who is a winner or loser in this case now that the ruling has occurred. Can we, can we go through who's impacted most and, and why? I think, and I hate having to say this, it is is very outside of my nature to say we don't know. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think in this case, we really we really don't know because of all of the coulds. I mean. Certainly, you could, um, you know, draw out the logical argument and see that, like, consumers lose because everything, they get nickel and dime to death and they have to pay for every individual website. And if they don't, their internet speeds slow down. And then, you know, you can come up with these sort of catastrophic things. But if companies are paying attention to customers, um, that isn't going to happen. 
Or you could say, you know, um, some of the big uh, tech services are the losers here because the other the other thing that's lurking in the background uh, is that over the last couple of decades of the internet. The biggest companies we talk about on the web have m- multiple different businesses at play. Uh, they are carriers and content creators and ad networks and cloud service providers. So there you can conceive of a way in which uh, there are some uh, big monolithic tech players that end up losing whole portions of their business as a result of this. Uh, but I just the the the. Um, uh, degree of, of uh, I don't even know what the word is, um, negative intent that would have to happen. Um, I, I, I have been saying I don't think that uh, anybody in the ecosystem is intending to become the latest robber barons. Um, if that happens, you know, I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, but I, I feel like it would almost have to be negative actors at that level to see some huge losers in this ecosystem. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's me being too optimistic. Glenn, am I am I off base no, here? I think I think you're absolutely right. There there are perceived winners and losers, and again, this goes back to some of the noise that's out there. But you know, a lot of people say, well, Netflix loses because they don't own a carrier that can give them a fast lane. Well, you know, to, to Melissa's point, that's not going to happen um, necessarily. And people say, well, the, the big carriers are going to win. Well. Uh, because they they have no regulations to uh, an oversight. That's not true either. Oversight's still going to be there, and if they step out of line, there are going to be forces that are going to bring them back in into line. And uh, you the know, the the AT&T desire to acquire Time Warner is meeting a lot of stiff resistance, largely because of this kind of oversight. Uh, you know, people still are watching it, that if you get too big and powerful, that's not a good thing. So uh, so I I am. I am probably as optimistic as Melissa is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a relatively useful and sober view that market forces will self-correct markets. I mean, they provide guardrails, and when things become constrained, what markets do is they innovate against that constraint. So we're in a time and place now where there's a lot of coulds, but the sober, the sober view is to say there's a lot of innovation, a lot of ways to optimize bandwidth and deliver bandwidth, and market forces will punish those that abuse or or go too far or use it for you know bad intent. But market forces will also reward those that find you know different ways to spark innovation and drive economic gain. Yeah, and that's really been the basis of our entire message at Forest around age of the customer. The customer drives your business, and uh, you cannot force upon them what they don't want. That's right. And, and not only can you not force it upon them, if you try to, they are going to let you know that it is not okay. And perhaps the irony is that they will use the internet to tell you that. So, um, so you know, I think, I think that whole thing about the empowered customer comes into play here. There are market forces, and the customer is maybe the most powerful force in that market. Uh, and because of the internet, we now hear from them. Um, so there are, there are forces of uh, checks and balances and corrections all around. Yeah, I can imagine just given the tenor of the debate going into the decision that you're going, you're going to have an ample number of watchdogs watching all the actions based upon those who you know, handle bandwidth decisions one way or the other. This is not going to be done in the slight of hand or in the dark of night. This is going to be very much a persistent debate in the marketplace. Yes, and we've made the point uh, uh, that 
you know, even though even though a lot of this stuff is overblown, never take your eye off the ball. Uh, we all of us have to keep uh, keep watch and be and be the the oversight for what's going on, and and that is the new market reality. So the press has been sort of filled with all the worst case scenarios on this decision, and we you know went through the whole could thing. So in your guys' minds, what is the most likely scenario? What happens in the marketplace over the next two years because of this? What are, what are the some of the characteristics that will play out? I think some pricing changes are inevitable, that we will see package bundles of, uh, of services. And whether that results in you and I paying more for, uh, for Internet or not remains to be seen. But for Businesses, you know, a, lot, a lot of this is around consumers and is going to impact consumers, but businesses, one of our points for them is a lot of home workers and a lot of small offices and partners are riding on consumer-grade Internet. You're probably going to have to pony up a few extra bucks to, uh, to get some real commitments and some service-level uh, commitments from the providers because you don't want that kind of traffic getting, uh, you know, getting throttled back because your neighbor is downloading video. So, uh, you know, you will get better... Uh, better quality of service if you pay more. And that's something I think every enterprise has to examine pretty closely. And that could add up. And just on that point, that could add up because we're, we're in a, a employee experience environment where some firms are encouraging home workers, some uh, encouraging that kind of flexibility, which means you necessarily have to outfit the home to, to drive the business forward. Yeah, but we're already doing that. Uh, you know, a lot of companies have home workers, and some people say, well, home workers are a bad idea. Some people say this is the best thing in the world. Uh, again, extremist positions. You've got to look at your own situation and say, is this person who's working from home uh, you know, doing the right work, and it, does it behoove us? Does it make economic sense to pay the extra money to support that employee? Sometimes the answer is going to be yes, sometimes no, but uh, there is no blanket answer. So, Melissa, what is what is the most likely scenario for the media market? Yeah, I think I think in the short term, I think there's going to be uh, there, there's going to be some price pressure uh, in terms of uh, like the CPM floor for some of the the wider ad networks. I think we're going to see um, some. Uh, M&A activity or attempted M&A activity uh, as you look at sort of who owns uh, pieces of the ad tech stack right now. Uh, and actually, all of the carriers have, have uh, uh, at least have dipped a toe into ad tech. Some, some have their, you know, whole leg in there. So uh, I think there will be some interesting price pressure there. But then as you sort of play that out, I think um, consumers are going to uh, wake up to the economy of free versus subscription in terms of content in a way that they haven't had to um, maybe, you know, since the, the sort of digital content revolution first happened and people start to move away uh, a bit from print. And what I mean is you can conceive of uh, the kinds of uh, packaged services that Glenn was talking about, where you can buy um, a low-cost package from your ISP, um, and then you can add on their social media package, and that will, you know, speed up your access to, I don't know, Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram or whatever. And now suddenly, to the consumer something that was free to them because it is supported by advertising, they are now paying for, at least in their own minds, they are paying extra money for um, priority access to these sites. 
that means they get more annoyed at seeing all of the ads. And so that is actually the part about this that I'm finding the most interesting right now, at least to think about. If that happens, what do companies like Facebook and Instagram do? Do they reduce ad load and focus on premium placements so that consumers don't feel like they are both paying with dollars and with eyeballs for advertising? Or is it something totally new? I mean, we could we could be entering into an era of of totally different ad supported media that we we have never seen before because it hasn't been invented yet. Um, so, you know, it could be, again, there's all those coulds. It could be really bad or it could be really cool. There's one important point to note, too, that if these companies, the Facebooks and such, feel genuinely feel like they're, they're getting the short end of the stick here, well, they have deep pockets and the ability, uh, more so than a lot of other companies, to fight fire with fire. So could Facebook, for example, buy T-Mobile? And uh, and go out and you know play the same game, or could they roll out their own their own internet services? That's a tall order for most companies, but could a Facebook or a Google do it? Sure. Yeah, I mean we were talking about vertical integration before, you know, and and speaking about working within constraints. That's where a lot of this innovation lay and changes abound. Yeah. Again, this is all in in the under the umbrella of could, right. but you know, could often becomes does. So we're on the heels of the repeal of net neutrality. We have a sense of what it could produce, both on the enterprise and media side of the house. So I'm an executive, and I have to respond. And um, what does it mean to me to drive a set of decisions in response to the repeal? And what does it mean to me to put my business in the best possible place going forward? I think it means that regardless of your industry, regardless of your market share, uh, regardless of whether you are a B2B or a B2C or a B2B2C or whatever you want to say kind of company, it always comes back to your customers. And this kind of event is exactly why. Now there are all sorts of new decisions you can make, and you can certainly sit down and try to model out what it means uh, for revenue uh, and long-term strategy in a vacuum. But that is not going to get you anywhere because of that key market force, your customers. This is the time to take all of that great work you've been doing, hopefully, uh, in understanding who your customers are and apply it uh, in the service of new business models and new strategies that give your customers what they want. So it's always a matter of the fact that you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, and the, the thing that tells you what you should do is your customers' needs. Thank you both to you, Melissa and Glenn, for jumping on this very quickly. And thank you for your time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. To download Forrester's complimentary report on the repeal of net neutrality and what it means for you and your business, go to for.com slash net neutrality. That's F-O-R-R dot slash net neutrality. Thanks for listening.